Hi friends, I'm Jenny Meyer, and you're listening to the Rooted Truth Podcast, where we look at the world through a biblical lens. We talk about real life, biblical truth, and how to walk with Jesus through it all. Be sure to follow me on social at Jenny Meyer and at The Rooted Truth. Also, check out my website, JennyMeyer.com, as it is my mission to help you cease the striving and step into who God has called you to be through digging deep into His Word. Now let's get started. I am so excited before we start to invite you to my next virtual live Bible study. Starting on September 8th, Remnant Rising and I are going to be diving into the biblical feast. So join us for a four-week deep dive into the seven biblical feast. You'll receive the study guide each week as we dig into the history and significance of each of the feasts. We'll meet once a week via Zoom to discuss the scripture as well as dig into deeper meanings and deeper conversations with each other. Again, we're starting on September 8th and I would love for you to join. You can register at jennymeyer.com slash Bible study. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So I am super excited to introduce today's guest, Trisha Spurgeon. She has a bachelor's degree in youth ministry and a master's degree in education. She was actually a school teacher for eight years, but left the classroom in 2021 and has since been into Bible prophecy a whole lot more. Um, even though it's been over the past 15 years, she's been digging into Bible prophecy, into quote unquote conspiracies and over the past couple of years has, has dug in a little bit more and started doing social media ministry, which I absolutely love. You can find her on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram as happy, holy, healthy life. And today I'm really excited because we get to hear Trisha's testimony and chat a little bit about Bible prophecy in the last days. And I found Trisha on Instagram, um, from another podcast. She was on the let's be friends podcast. I'm like, I need to talk to this lady. I am just drawn to you, Trisha, just drawn to you. And I am so excited that you agreed to come on. So welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of you actually have um, started following Trisha on at least Instagram. I laugh because I'm like, I'm too old for TikTok. Like I just, I haven't done that yet. Um, So I'm sure most of you have followed Trisha on social media, on Instagram and see how she does these reels and videos of just pointing pointing you back to God each and every time with everything, how to get closer to God, um, what to look for in, in a healthy relationship, um, God-centered relationship. So Trisha, let's get started today, just hearing about you and your testimony. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I kind of have somewhat of an unlikely background and I truly feel like God found me. I came from a household that had a lot of darkness. My mom was heavily into the new age and the occult. There was just a lot of addictions and traumas all throughout my family. And so I'm an only child and I really felt lost and alone for so much of my life. But thankfully, my mom was always on a quest for truth, even though sometimes it led her off the path completely. But she always has been sincerely looking for God. And so there was really a war in her life that was waged between the new age lifestyle and the Christian lifestyle. So we would have little junctures where we would go to church maybe for a few months or for a year, and then she would kind of drop off. And thankfully, during one of those little patches where she was going to church, that's when I actually became a Christian and I was around eight or nine years old. And so that was really great because I became saved. And another thing that was really great about my mom was that she's always been an avid reader. So she would have hundreds of books throughout the house. And so since I just kind of felt lost and alone, I would literally just grab books off of her shelf and read from some of like the great preachers like Charles Spurgeon and Andrew Murray, and even just reading scripture. And I really felt like God revealed himself to me over time, but there would be that pull to darkness that I experienced too. I kind of would really be looking for truth so much. And since most of my life was spent outside of the church, 
which I felt like I was kind of discipled by the internet, the early years of the internet. And so I would just be searching out like what's true, you know, searching about the end times. And so I have a really big compassion for Christians that are searching for truth and that kind of get caught in different false movements. But I'm really grateful though, that God has brought me to the truth and brought me on the right path. And so now I just feel like it's my calling right now to help as many people as I can, especially with things like end times prophecy, because it's, it's a wild jungle out there of teachings. And I just feel blessed that I do feel like God has shown me the truth in those areas. Absolutely. Um, I think there's so much deception out there today, um, especially with these false, false movements, like you said. And so, um, were you ever a part of the new age or was your mom just kind of dabbling in it? So I had some little junctures where I found so-called Christian new age. So they would try to like adapt astrology and kind of frame it in a Christian manner. And I got drawn into the secret and the law of attraction and the laws of success and some of those things, because I forgot to mention this, my original background is very heavily in like the Pentecostal charismatic word of faith background. And so in some ways, there were so many similarities between new age teachings and that form of teaching that it seems like a natural kind of path to go back and forth between those worlds. But I really felt God strongly convict me to get away from all of that. And there is a a real seduction to those things. And especially when people will try to use biblical or Christian language to draw people into that. And so that's just another area where I feel a lot of compassion on people because it's really easy to get sucked in. Yep, absolutely. And I've seen a little bit of that, like come back a ton the past couple of years too, um, as people too, are just like searching because, you know, the past two years, like, you know, has just been, it's been crazy, um, in our world. And I mean, I personally feel like we are super close to Jesus's return. And so with that being said, what have you found just in your study with the Bible prophecy, what's going on in our world today? And where does that kind of put us on this timeline per se? Yeah, that is a great question. I was honestly shocked um, when I entered the wonderful world of TikTok because um, out of all the different social medias I've been on, I feel like people on TikTok really interact. And I really got to learn about major movements that I was completely oblivious to. Um, In the background that I have, it was kind of what I would consider kind of the traditional pre-tribulational, you know, framework of the end times. And that was so popular that that's all I had really heard. But honestly, in many ways, I feel like there's several other movements that are getting just as big as that. And so I would kind of narrow them down to, aside from the pre-tribulation rapture doctrine, there's preterism, there is something called post-millennialism and dominionism, and they kind of all go together. And the really interesting thing about these seemingly totally different mindsets is they all have a similar message to people, which is in some way, don't worry about the end times. We're not really going to suffer. For the most part, with the exception of the pre-tribulational camp, they're saying that things are going to get brighter and brighter. We're going to usher in God's kingdom on earth, that the thousand year millennial reign is going to happen first, and that's going to bring back Jesus. And so it's been really, really odd um, to meet so many people that basically believe that almost all biblical prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD. And mm-hmm. so when I'm kind of talking on, you know, TikTok or different social media, the, the biggest people that kind of tend to fight with me is either the pre-tribulational camp or the preterist camp. And so it's, it's honestly kind of scary. And it's, I think the fact that there is internet and social media, things that would have been considered fringe beliefs before are getting massive millions and millions of people following them. And so I just can really see how the great falling away is going to happen. The Bible warns us that people are not going to endure sound doctrine in the end. And what's so fascinating with a lot of these camps is even if you try to bring those verses, they'll say, oh, that was fulfilled. That was all about the end times that finished in 70 AD, or even some of the more dominionist camps, they will say like, oh no, the church is victorious. They're not going to struggle at all, which is partially true. The church is victorious, but I think that they're lulling themselves into a false sense of security, not realizing the, the gravity of the deception that's 
coming. And so, like you mentioned, since 2020 and beyond, I think there's a real seduction on the kind of conservative Christian side because we can so clearly look to the left and see the outrageous like lies and wickedness and deception. But I think people have forgotten to check their own back door and see are there false teachers coming into our own camps. And through that, I think there's been a little bit of a mentality that as long as they're agreeing with us about how bad that other side is, they're on our team. So we're seeing a lot of convergence with new agers, with people from all different kind of camps coming together, seemingly trying to fight for the same thing, not realizing that, you know, basically it says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And like, what does light have to do with darkness? And so I just think there's a major deception coming, especially especially in these camps that really don't see the the proper view of the end times. Yep. I could not agree with you more. Um, over the past like six months, I've been digging into revelation a whole lot more than I ever have. I mean, I was raised Christian, raised in a Christian home. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, even as an adult, it's, you go to church, you do your thing and then just kind of live your life. Um, but the, probably since 2019 for me, just really digging into scripture more and letting scripture interpret scripture instead of looking for all these other commentaries. But over the past six months, I've been digging into revelation, hosted a revelation study. And throughout that study, um, I did it with a friend of mine. We both came to the same conclusion. Like, so I studied the, the, preterist, the post-millennialist, the all-millennialist, you have your dispensationalist, the pre-trib rapture. And I was raised pre-trib rapture, same type of thing. And it wasn't until digging in um, and really looking at it like, wait, yes, we're safe from God's wrath, but I believe that we are here through tough, tough times that we are going to have to endure tribulation because it is getting worse. And I also believe we've been in tribulation the past 2000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. And, and John says in um, revelation one, I don't remember what verse it is, but I'm a fellow partaker in tribulation. So it's going to get bad. So I absolutely agree with you. And I find it very, very interesting that the people that argue with you the most are the pre-trib rapture are the ones, the preterists that believe that everything has been fulfilled in 70 AD, which I, I fall in the camp of, I don't believe revelation was written until between 90 and 95 AD. Um, so I, I absolutely agree with you. So do you see, like, is it, do you feel like those people in those camps, like whether it's a pre-trib rapture or the preterist, do you think that they're going to be more easily, I mean, I don't want to offend anyone because we're all, I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent of the belief, like, Hey, if you're a Christian, if you're a true believer and you, and you believe in a pre-trib rapture, that's fine. I'll see you in heaven one day, but be prepared because it's going to get hard. Um, but do you feel like those people tend to follow kind of this, this false light that per se is probably coming or upon us right now? Absolutely. And it's so interesting because it looks so different with the two yep. camps, yep. because I think the um, kind of more preterist camp and more reforms camp, they are very like sophisticated and educated and scholarly yep. in many rights. And they would kind of make fun of the like dominionist seven mountain mandate kind of Christians. But it's so fascinating that they really have very similar beliefs. Yep. And I think that there's been like a weird infection of like unhealthy nationalism and patriotism that has kind of gone off the rails to the point where it's idolatry. And yeah. so it's so interesting. I see both of these people coming together, thinking really that they're going to defeat all of the, you know, different unjust systems, that they're going to be victorious over, um, you know, whether they call it the beast system or whatever they label it. And they're really not, I don't think, prepared at all for severe persecution. And they really seem to kind of mock anyone that warns of that. On the more pre-trip camp, their big rallying cry is like, you know, God's not going to beat his bride before the wedding, not realizing that, you know, I'm sure that they realize consciously, but, you know, unconsciously, they're essentially forgetting that all of the apostles, you know, basically yeah. died in really yeah. difficult ways. And John, the one that survived, allegedly was boiled in oil and wouldn't die before he got exiled to the island. And it's even what the first century Christians went through in terms of persecution and what Christians all over the world are going through in the Middle Eastern 
Lutheran church in parts of Africa, even in Latin America. And so I just think there's a, a really big stronghold of Western world thinking where we kind of feel like, you know, America's God's chosen. We're not going to, you know, get hurt at all. And God loves us too much to let that happen. And so I just see almost like a Pollyanna optimism where they're not prepared. And unfortunately, I think some people are even being invited into Christianity by this promise of missing tribulation, missing the Antichrist, missing all of these things. And then on the flip side, I think a lot of people are really drawn into preterism and some of these other ideas because who doesn't want to hear that the Antichrist has passed us, the tribulations passed us, you know, all of these things are in the past. It's all uphill from here. So it's just kind of, it's ironic and interesting that both of these different camps have this kind of false good news. People are coming in on false premises and they're shaping their belief on God based upon this theology. So my big fear is because I've literally heard some of my pre-trib friends say like, I wouldn't worship a God that would let, you know, his bride be on earth during the tribulation. And so I just think, oh no, like what's going to happen when they are in the tribulation and these things happen? I only see one of two things, maybe three things. One, they'll realize, okay, we were wrong, you know, and kind of readjust. Two, they might be taken into, you know, this false light system and actually fall for the idea that the Antichrist is God. Or, you know, three, they might just fall away from the faith altogether and go one of any different directions. Yep. Which is so scary too. I mean, it's really sad to think like how many, I mean, we know there will be a great falling away. Like, is that, is that my, my pre-trib rapture believing friends? I don't know. I pray not, but, um, it is really sad. And I mean, I'm under the belief that we're living in this beast system right now. Like we are seeing it left and right and it's going to get worse. Um, I know we hadn't necessarily talked, like planned on talking about like revelation and anything, but, but is your belief, like, as far as like, when we go to be with Jesus. So I believe we are safe from God's wrath. And that could mean one of two things in my opinion. And in my mind, it could mean that we are sealed. We know that we are sealed with the Holy spirit. We're sealed by God on our foreheads. That is a conscious choice that we make to serve the one true God. So either we're sealed and we're protected like the uh, Israelites were were in Egypt or Jesus definitely like, we know he's coming back, but he comes back on the clouds right before God's wrath is poured out. And that's when we go and meet him in the air. Um, so either way that is either before God's wrath or after God's wrath. Like I am, I, I, I'm also like, believe like it's okay to not know because we all want to know. We want to know so bad, like, hey, what's going to happen? Like, we want to know the day. We want to know the hour. We want to know all these things. Um, but I'm okay not knowing, but I, I know that it's going to get bad, right? So what is your belief as far as like God's wrath and the protection of the church? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've kind of been caught between two schools of thought. So there's the pre-wrath camp that believes that Jesus returns yeah. at the sixth seal and that essentially it's a little closer to the traditional pre-trib view than um, post-trib, but it's the idea that we'll actually be in heaven while God pours out his wrath in the form of the trumpets and the bowls. Yeah. And then there is what's kind of considered more of the traditional post-trib camp, which essentially believes that it kind of all goes together. So Jesus is going to return according to that view at the seventh trumpet and the bowls are actually considered his wrath. And the idea, like you mentioned, either way is that the saints are protected, whether it's in heaven or bodily on earth. Um, but the only difference would be whether or not we'll be here to see all of the different trumpets. trumpets but yeah. I'm totally with you. I think we're going to be protected either way. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like we've got to be ready for, for either way. And then there's other camps that see the, um, you know, seals, trumpets, and bowls as almost overlapping or as like re recapitulation is what they they call it that it's sort of telling the story over and over again from different perspectives. Um, but the thing that I really kind of stick with is that we're promised three and a half years of great tribulation. So some people believe that that happens, you know, at different times, but it says that basically the Antichrist makes war on the saints for three and a half years. And it mentions, you know, how we'll go to prison or some will fall by the sword. And that essentially that Satan is permitted through the Antichrist to make war against the saints and actually overcome them. And that's another thing that I get so worried for a lot of these people is that they don't understand God's sovereignty in the sense that they 
actually believe that they can stop all of these things from happening, you know, through, you know, taking over the legislation or through just their prayers. And they have a really difficult time understanding how through God's sovereign plan, he actually allows the Antichrist to be raised up and he actually allows the Antichrist to have this form of authority. But um, it's very present in the Old Testament. There were times when God raised up kings, but then those kings faced judgment for their wickedness. And that's exactly what's going to happen with the Antichrist. And all of these things are part of God's plan for Jesus to return. And I do believe that he will literally reign for a thousand years on earth. And I think that's when all the good stuff happens in terms of peace and healed government. And, you know, our famous Christmas verse, you know, that basically that unto us, a child is born and that the government of peace, it's going to be on his shoulder and that he's going to rule with an iron rod and all of those promises that a lot of people are wanting to appropriate now, that's going to happen when Jesus literally returns to the planet and rules from his throne. And so I just think that um, when people have have that mixed up, they are essentially either at best in for a really huge disappointment, but at worst, and what I fear is they're setting themselves up for mass deception. Yeah. So then that deception I think is happening right now with this, like, I like how you say like the patriotism. Um, I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, I, or maybe last week from Ali um, Beth Stuckey and about the education um, system and everything. And, and I think I just wasn't fully aware that when it at the same time, when they took Bibles out of school, when they took prayer out of school is when they brought in the flag and the pledge of allegiance to a flag. And at the same time, so it was literally replacing this, um, you know, worship of God and prayer and all of that with like worship of the flag and worship of this country, which I am, I am all for, like, I am a patriot. I love this country and I will fight for this country, but there is an extent to where we cannot put that above God. And so I think a lot of people, it has become idolatry absolutely with um, President Trump with the, the Patriot movement, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it totally has become idolatry. So what do you see happening with um, those that, that believe like, hey, we're going to win this, all this goods, like we're going to have a financial reset. We're going to have this great awakening, this great reset, um, uh, you know, not necessarily the new world order reset, not that one, but this like, hey, this reborn America Republic, um, what, what do you see happening on that front right now? Absolutely. I kind of see some of these movements as two sides of the same coin. And I think Satan's playing them both really, really wisely on his part. And so I think that two parts of the deception we learn in Revelation that there's harlot Babylon, and then there's the beast system and the Antichrist. And it's fascinating that the Antichrist ends up turning on harlot Babylon and destroying her. So it's so odd to think that both of these Antichrist movements that are going to be drawing in all of these people are actually eventually in opposition to each other because really Satan doesn't care about world leaders. He doesn't care, you know, whether people are, you know, doing new age or false religions or the occult. He's just hoping people will get lost in any sense that they can. And so my concern is that whether it's um, Harlot Babylon that is kind of seen as the more seductive thing that seems like peace and love and joy and reset, however that is framed, I'm kind of wondering if one of those is going to kind of grab all of these people. And that's where I learned about a concept called the purposeful exposure of evil. And there's this concept that a lot of this revealing of like the Illuminati and all the symbolism and all the horrible things that are happening to children, some people think that that's actually intentional, that there will be um, kind of this steaming justice movement where all of these people are, you know, brought out and some people would call it the storm or something, but that it's actually going to be a false ruse for the Antichrist to come in and say, look, I did that. I destroyed the Illuminati. I destroyed the New World Order. I'm, you know, bringing vengeance on all of these evil people and that people are so focused on one, you know, vision of what evil and wickedness in the end times will look like, that they're missing the kind of pretty more new age utopian view of what it's going to look like. And so I just kind of wonder if um, if all of this kind of like cue stuff and all of this stuff wasn't actually very intentional, that it wasn't actually infiltrated, if not actually created by Satan himself in order to kind of grab all of the, you know, maybe conservatives or Christians or new agers, all the people that would be in opposition to the obvious evil of like the Illuminati and the new world order. And so I'm just kind of thinking it is very possible that 
all of those people are going to be taken in by that only to find out possibly when it's too late that all of that was a part of the lie. But the scary thing to me is that, you know, it talks about like in Second Thessalonians, how Satan is going to be doing so many miracles and lying signs and wonders. And there's going to be so much deception. I actually think that it's going to get to a point for a lot of these people that they're unable to see the truth. It's almost like they have a reprobate mind at a certain point. And so I think a lot of people say, even to me now, like some of my friends, oh, well, if I see a third temple rebuilt and I see a guy standing, I'm going to know that what you were saying is right. But they underestimate the power of deception and how when you are completely taken over and hardened, even if you did see that, that ability to go back can be gone for some people. And so I feel like that was a lot that I said, but that's just some of my thoughts on just what that could end up looking like. No, I totally agree. And I have totally thought that same thing. Like, Hey, when all of this happens, like we, we think we have our country back, you know, things, these, these evil people are going to get Mo or whatever it is that that is the open door absolutely for the antichrist to say, Hey, peace and safety, right? Like you guys are safe. Um, I, so I'm with you on that. And I think a lot of people get defensive about that. And, and I mean, I would say maybe I was in that camp before, but, but not all the way of like, Hey, this is going to happen. Things are going to go back. It's going to be great. All the evil will be taken care of until I dug in until I prayed about it until I asked for discernment on it. And then my heart started shifting to align with that. Like, Hey, that this is the perfect storm for the antichrist to calm and then boom, that deception, everyone follows him. Um, so yeah, and, and it's sad, the amount of people that will be deceived. Um, so how, what would you suggest for people who are kind of like just struggling with that? Like, and I get a lot of women who are scared that they're not going to know, do you have any suggestions for them of just like calming and like being aware of what's going on around you? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. I want to say too that I actually almost fell into it too <laughs> in 2020. And, and that's why I always like hope in my heart. I hope I never get like a snarky attitude because I'm like, oh, like I could have yep. so easily gone that direction because the 2020 prophets, like they kind of had me. And I was over here telling my like quasi-believing parents, Trump's gonna win again and yep. this is gonna happen. Yep. And at that time, all of these people were coming out with dreams and they were so confident. And people's dreams were confirming other people's dreams, and it just seemed like this network. And a part of me, like internally, I was like, something's off about this. Like, I don't know what it is. Something doesn't feel right. But then I guess maybe my logical part was like, how could all of these mighty men and women of God be wrong? How could they all be seeing the same thing and then not have it happen? Um, And then I was just grateful when (laughs) kind of I figured it out when none of what they said came true. And I think that that's what's so hard for people because they get an identity with these movements, they get invested in them, and they get a worldview that makes sense in these movements, especially when the worldview gives them hope and seemingly good news. And so I would just encourage people to really, if you're kind of like in these movements, you're listening to prophets and different things, like have huge red waving flags if stuff doesn't happen, the things that is going to happen. Like if they're prophesying something's going to happen and it doesn't, the Bible is so clear. And I actually wrote down a couple of verses about that. Um, but essentially let's, let's look at Jeremiah 14, 13. I just, it really made me think of 2020. So it says, but I said, alas, sovereign Lord, the prophets keep telling them you will not see the sword or suffer famine. Indeed, I will give you lasting peace in this place. So this is, you know, Jeremiah, the prophet saying like, Lord, the prophets are saying these things. And then verse 14 says, then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the prophets who are prophesying in my name. I did not send them, yet they are saying no sword or famine will touch this land. Those same prophets will perish by sword and famine. And so, oh, and then one more is Deuteronomy 18, 21 through 22. It says, and if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord? 
if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need not be afraid of them. And so for me, um, I think that the, the burden of proof is really on these people when they've been saying some of them since 2017, all of these things are going to happen. Some of them have given dates. They've said certain events were going to occur and none of it happens. We kind of have to be honest with ourselves and say, you know what? They're invoking the name of the Lord, but the Lord is not speaking to these people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are good passages. Totally. I love Jeremiah. I love that book. Um, and, and it's been so prevalent too. Like the prophets, like I just see, I mean, I, I get sent stuff after stuff every single day of different, like, oh, watch this. This guy said this, this guy spoke this. And it, at this point, I'm like, I don't know who to listen to and, and who to trust. So I'm going to go back to my Bible and I'm just going to pray, like pray for discernment. And I mean, I would tell anyone listening that is your number one. If you have the Holy spirit living in you pray for discernment, that the Holy spirit give you discernment that, you know, what is of God and what is not of God, because there will be false prophets in the last days. We know that, and that is happening. So, I mean, what do you see happening in the next, you know, couple years in our world and country? It's, it's honestly scary because things have happened so fast from like 2020 till now. It's like even with laws being changed. And I mean, I think we were all encouraged with like Roe Wade and some of those things. And I think that that gives some of us hope like, you know, maybe we can have little reprieves, but I honestly don't know. I feel like it could go one of two ways if things keep going so quickly. Um, we might be looking at some kind of Mark of the Beast-like systems happening sooner rather than later. But then I think sometimes without uh, through history, there's huge accelerations and then there's lulls and then there's yeah. huge accelerations and then things calm down. So I could really see it going either way, you know, and God's timing, grace and mercy, maybe things just kind of stay stuck for like another 20 years and is kind of uneventful, but it certainly seems like the, the snowball is like rolling down the hill really fast. And I definitely am looking out for, you know, the 10 and nation confederacy that, you know, Daniel talks about in revelation. I'm looking for these 10 Kings that are going to unite together. And it says, you know, out of that group, there's going to be an 11th, a little horn, which is going to be the Antichrist. And then he's going to somehow overcome three of those kings. So those are some of the like tangible things that I'm looking at. Um, I am a person that does think that there will be a literal temple rebuilt. And so I'm kind of like to keep my eyes on that and see what's going on with that. Um, and I am interested too, in a lot of the kind of one world religion movements that are happening. And like, you know, I know that they've built different like little multi, you know, religion temples and things in different places. And so I just kind of keep my eyes on some of the, the big things. And so I don't quite see some of those things happening just yet, but I think we can definitely all see the technology potentially for the mark of the beast is like right here. And even some of the stuff was like their ability to read our thoughts and like the merging of technology and people like just really scary science. So I just think it's kind of at this point, just God's timing and, and when he ordains for it to finally happen. Okay, friends, so quick interruption. I want to remind you that if you are looking to dive into the book of Revelation, check out the study I just completed, which is up on my website. This is an 11-week walk through the entire book of Revelation and how it is so relevant to the time that we are living in. With this study, you'll receive the 165-page study guide, which is also broken into weeks for easier studying and easier printing, and the 11 audio recordings of the live sessions we just completed. So if you're ready to dig deep, head over to www.jennymeyer.com slash revelation dash study. Yep. And I mean, I, I look to the Pope and see what he is doing because that is red flag after red flag after red flag. Um, and calling for this like Chrislam religion, which in my opinion, like it is so new age. It is so new age. And I think like this one world religion that will come out of kind of this new world order um, and the UN, in my opinion, like it's all kind of mixed together will be this new age, like false belief system where in my opinion, the Pope is the head of it. And I think people need to be aware of that too, but yeah, I think things need to happen, but we all need to be prepared. Um, so do you have any suggestions on how people can kind of prepare for what's to come? 
Yeah, I think so much of it is a mindset and renewing our mind and being willing to give up any and everything. I think that's the scariest thing for like some of the people I talk to and even some of my family members, like the idea of like, would you be homeless for Jesus? Would you go to jail for Jesus? Would you be tortured for Jesus? Would you be hungry for Jesus? And, you know, for us, I think that we just have so much, at least in this country, that's like a hard thing to get our mind around, but just really understanding that the suffering that God might allow us to go through doesn't have anything to do with him not loving us. Because I think that's the biggest lie that we've been told in our modern church culture is that, you know, the love of God equals like, you know, health and riches and success and happiness. And sure, sometimes that happens. But, you know, sometimes situations like Job, you know, he like lost everything and he was a righteous man. And even like the apostles and Paul, he like loved God so much, but he was beaten and shipwrecked and stoned. And so I just think kind of really renewing our mind with what Jesus even said about the role of persecution and suffering suffering and being willing to give up all for him. And I think um, with people really reading the book of Revelation would be so good, even if they read a chapter a week, just really having that story like deep inside of our hearts and really knowing those things. So even if we don't feel like we're Bible scholars, when people come to us with verses that are way out of context, after reading and reading and reading, we'll instantly know that something is wrong with that. And I think too, praying for strength is a huge one. And even being willing to be obedient now in the small things is huge. Um, I recently had a situation where I felt like God asked me to give up something that I really didn't want to give up. Um, But I know that my obedience now is going to be connected with my ability to be obedient later. So I kind of think of it like a muscle. It's like, you know, if we're like disobedient and we don't read the word and we don't pray and we don't care about God's voice. And then we imagine we're going to be like super strong warrior Christians in the tribulation. It's definitely a disconnect there. So I definitely think, you know, hearing God's voice and knowing what he's asking of us now and being obedient will prepare us for those biggest sacrifices. And that also reminds me of a story from Corey Ten Boom, because she had recently witnessed a death when she was a little girl and she got really scared and talked to her father about, you know, I'm afraid, you know, to die, like what's going to happen. And basically he kind of told her the story of a train ticket. And he essentially said, you know, when it's time for us to get on the train, when do I give you the ticket? And she said, you know, right as we're about to get on. And he said, it'll be the same thing. Like if Jesus ever asked you to give up your life or to sacrifice something for him, he's going to give you that strength right when you need it. It's not something that, you know, we have to be worried and stressed about. So I think there's definitely kind of a tension between wanting to have our mind renewed, wanting to be strong and obedient now, but also knowing that it's not all up to us to be, (laughs) you know, so brave and so strong. Like the Holy Spirit will give us that bravery and that strength when that time comes to. Yep. And so many, I find that like really struggle with hearing the Holy spirit and hearing God speak. And would you agree that it's because they're not in the word that they're not spending time with God? Does that put up a disconnect? Absolutely. I think that that is so huge. When when people say that they want to hear the voice of God, the number one thing I say is, you know, are you reading the word daily? And are you praying, you know, that the Holy Spirit would give you revelation and understanding? Because so often, even in how God speaks to me, it's actually a scripture that'll pop up in my head. And sometimes I might know not know the exact words, but it's like, I know, you know, what he is trying to tell me through hearing those verses. And that comes from spending a lot of time with him. And that's the same thing that will really protect us from deception. Um, I also heard another analogy a long time ago about people that would identify false money. And essentially they said, instead of looking at the 50 different types of false currency, they would look at their currency, their same old currency, a hundred trillion times. So that when the false came up, it would automatically register like, wait, that's not real. And I think that's so true with the word of God, because I think especially as we get closer to the end times, there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be people that are new agers using biblical language, and there's going to be literal demonic spirits everywhere, saturating everything. And so I think if we don't have that grounding in scripture and knowing, you know, what does he say? What is his heart? What is his word to me? Then we're not going to be able to discern hardly at all any of the other voices, especially the authoritative voices. And especially here's the scary part, the ones that come with signs, wonders, and miracles. Um, And it's kind of interesting to me because I came from kind of like the Pentecostal background. And I honestly, I still kind of go to like a charismatic church kind of 
And so there's been a few times where I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're not discerning anything here. People are like rolling around and growling and everyone's like, look at the Lord. I'm like, okay, no, you know? And so I just think that, um, sometimes we can get so like dazzled by people that are saying that they're like a prophet or like a miracle or this or that, that we just like don't have discernment. So I just think really being grounded in the word and prayer every day is like the number one thing to understand who God is and to be able to discern his voice. Absolutely. And I mean, people don't read their Bible. I feel like people don't read their Bible and let me, I've, I've told my listeners this thousands of times, but it was not until I literally made a commitment every single day, no matter what, no matter what, if I have to stay up late or if I have to get up early, I'm going to be in my Bible. Um, not just a couple verses and a little devotion for the day, not that, but read, 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 read. And it is so important. I see, cause I came from the, of the fitness background where I would spend like hours a day. Like I'd get my workout in, I would meal prep, I would do this and that, and, and maybe spend five minutes with God. And, and of course I wasn't hearing what he wanted and, and the direction he wanted for my life and to be able to discern truth from almost truth. Right. Cause that's where we're at right now. We're, fr- we're at discerning truth from almost truth, not truth from lies, truth from almost truth. And it wasn't until I committed every single day, I'm going to read his word. And I think that is so important. And the ladies who are listening to this, if you are struggling with that, make the commitment, set your alarm early, stay up a little bit later if you have a packed day. But if you're also listening to this podcast and you haven't spent time with Jesus yet, like your priorities are not right for the day. And so I made it a commitment in my own life to get up. And that is the first thing I do. Um, first thing before I check social media, before I answer text messages or emails or anything, um, you know, sometimes there's mom duties of like kids getting here and there and like doing that, but it is Jesus first. And it's, and it's, him throughout the day too. Do you find that the people that like bring him into the day to day, like just in, in, in your ministry, whether on social or um, in person, the people that bring Jesus into the day to day, do they seem, I mean, to me, they seem happier. They seem like they have it more together. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like I see love <laughs> from those people. And that's the coolest thing um, that that there's been about like interacting so much on social media with different belief systems that are within the Christian faith is that some people are so hateful and so mean. I'm like, do you know Jesus at all? <laughs> but there's some people that are like, you know, you're my sister, even though we disagree. Like, I love yeah. you. I bless you. You know, we can like encourage each other in the Lord. And I think to myself, those are people that are walking closely with God because it's not all about our eschatology or our theology so much is evident it's the bible says they'll know that we're christians by our love and like the greatest commandment love god and love others and so i truly think that it's impossible to really live that out without having that close walk with god through scripture and through prayer and so i also too have a lot of like hope (laughs) for those people that you know they might be off about a few theological things now but they're going to be fine like god's going to correct them you know it might be like a little bit of pain in the process but i I know that he's done that with me um, because I, I did sincerely like love God and, and God truly is living inside of me. And so the Holy Spirit promises to bring us into all truth and to guide us and to lead us like that's his job. And so when I see Christians that are walking closely with God, I have like hope that they're going to be okay in the tribulation. But I worry about some of my other, you know, friends that it's like very much a mental exercise. I can kind of tell that they don't have a close relationship with God, that it's just about like theology and arguing. And um, I think those are the people that will be very easy to sway because since it's all intellectual with them, the person with the greatest intellectual argument will win with them. Whereas kind of going back to that dollar bill analogy, when we get into these really thick, deceptive times, the Holy Spirit inside of us will help us to discern that no matter how great these arguments sound, we're going to know that something is not right with the Antichrist or with Harlot Babylon or with this preacher. And that's going to keep us on the right path. Yep, totally. And kind of going back to that, like rapture um, theology, do you, I, I just feel like the people who believe in the pre-trib, like it is their one ride or die, like the ones that will fight with you, right? That when that doesn't happen and when things get bad, or if the antichrist reveals himself, do you see them falling away from the faith of like, fine, I guess like if I was like, Jesus isn't real then. Do you see that at all? 
I've really wondered about that a lot because it's just so fascinating. Like the Left Behind series, I don't, I might be making this number up, but I think it sold like a hundred million copies. And so it's been just huge the way that pre-trib theology has shaped all of the most popular institutions, some of the biggest theological seminaries. And I've actually heard a lot of pastors that they literally will get fired from their denomination, big denominations, if they disagree or part with pre-trib doctrine. So it's really suspicious. <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, why has the enemy invested so much into this mindset? And for so many, it really does shape and characterize who they view God as. And I think with any deception, we would rather change some of our other core beliefs than leave the deception. So I really think some people would rather say, oh, we misunderstood maybe what the rapture meant. Jesus is actually here now, and he came to rescue us here on earth, rather than to part with the idea that, nope, Jesus is going to let you be beheaded and tortured and suffer. And so I I really, really wonder about my pre-trib friends. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's super sad too. I see it as like, it's also making lukewarm Christians and complacent Christians of like, well, I mean, based on those left behind books. I mean, I read those books when I was younger and watched the movie. Um, but with the thought of like, Hey, there's a second chance for your friends. Like, you know, they'll, they'll grab your Bible when you're gone. They're going to grab your Bible during these hard times. And they're going to come to to Christ. I do not believe that at all. I think the time is now. And I mean, I I'm under the belief that when we have that marriage, um, of the lamb in heaven with Jesus, the doors are shut. Like the doors are shut to that and God's wrath is being poured out and, and everyone's done. So the time is now there is no second chances and stop being complacent and sharing your faith too. I mean, this it's probably, you know, this is the 180 from me from, from five years ago. Like, yeah, people knew I was a Christian. I talk about it here and there, but, but there was no urgency of like, you guys, you have to know this, like have you accepted Jesus? Are you going to, where are you spending eternity? Are you going to be with Jesus, the new heaven, new earth, or are you going to be in the lake of fire with the enemy forever? Um, And so I really see the devil as putting this out there per se and pushing it, like you said, like really pushing this theology to stop people from sharing and, and that urgency to share. Yeah. And another thing too, that I noticed along with that is so many altar calls that I've heard have actually been attached to the pre-trib rapture message. So they'll literally say, you don't want to be left here for the seven worst years of the earth. And so with false converts, I kind of wonder, honestly, like if that was people's reason for accepting Jesus was to miss the seven years of tribulation. I just kind of wonder like when that event doesn't happen, I wonder if a lot of people will say, okay, the whole thing is wrong. The whole Bible is wrong. We missed it. And especially too, I hear with a lot of like the new age deception, how whether it's the the new age brand or whether it's some of the other weird denominations, they'll talk about, you know, like maybe Jesus being an ascended master or Christ consciousness or all of these different things. So that also makes me wonder um, if there's going to be a lot of deception in line about who Jesus is. So a lot of these people that, you know, are disillusioned by the rapture scenario that fell apart, I kind of wonder if they're also going to be prime candidates to welcome like the fake version of Jesus and just kind of accept that, oh, well, the Bible was wrong. And even on TikTok, um, I've interacted with people for hours and hours that are already going that direction. They're saying that like up to 90% of the New Testament is either forgeries or it's false. They're just going in really demonic directions. And it just makes so much sense with the deception that's coming is because if the rapture does happen and people can be convinced that the Bible wasn't legitimate to begin with. And then there is an actual person that is on the earth that can do signs, wonders, and miracles. All of that together, unless somebody is really rooted and grounded, they're not going to get their head cut off, you know, unless they really, really, really believe. And so I just... It, it is baffling to me on the one hand, um, how so many of my favorite preachers, I'm like, oh, they're like yeah. so filled with the Holy Spirit and they seem like they know God so well, like how, but at the same time, you know, I kind of have to have faith, like, you know, a lot of people are actually getting free from that theology, like in droves, whole church bodies are coming to the truth. And so I just kind of, um, my church has tended to say, like, as we get deeper into the end times, like the light will get lighter and the dark will get darker. And so I do think that there's going to be a lot of people that come to the truth and that 
really, really get to see what's going on. Um, and it does talk about in Daniel too, how those of us that are wise, we're going to actually draw many people to righteousness and be able to help and explain. And I feel like that's another good, re really good argument for why we're going to be here during the tribulation, like Christians that understand and know the truth, we're going to be bringing other people to righteousness and maybe in prison explaining like the book of Daniel and Revelation and second Thessalonians. And so um, it's sobering, but I have hope at the same time, there's that tension. <laughs> yep. And it's, I mean, it's such, it's so cool. Like the, we are alive during a time like this. Like I'm just like every day, like, I mean, I struggle sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like God, like I can't do it anymore, but I'm like, it is so cool that we are alive for such time as this. And I mean, just like Esther, God had a plan for her. She was in that position for a reason. And in that moment, she probably, she didn't want to be there. Right. Like who wants to be kind of like, oh, well, yeah, now you're with the King, like being a Jew as well. And so we are here for a reason. And I mean, I want to encourage you too, Trisha, that with what you're doing, speaking out, like keep going, keep doing what you're doing. And even when it gets tough, like, you know, that God's got you. And, and I think that's the biggest thing for anyone speaking out. Like if you are doing it for the right reasons and sharing the right truth, God's truth, like he has got you, he is walking right there in front of you, you know, like fighting off the enemy. And I think also having, I mean, this is total like different like direction, but having the supernatural worldview is very important. I feel like for the end times, there's a lot of Christians that I know that literally do not believe in the supernatural. Like, and so, I mean, it makes me wonder like, well, have you really accepted Christ? Do you know, like the story of the Bible, but do you have anything to say about that? Like with what is going on in the spiritual realm right now? Oh, absolutely. You're so right. I mean, the Bible talks about how there's principalities and there's powers and there's rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. And we see angels all throughout Daniel and Revelation and the New Testament in and of itself. There really are signs, wonders, and miracles. I think that it's kind of hard for some people because they haven't experienced the genuine at all. And so when they see any of it, they're like, that's the work of the devil. So there's always different extremes to work off of. But I've actually seen with my own eyes, a person that was paralyzed from the waist down after falling off of a horse be completely 100% healed to the point where she got up out of a wheelchair and was like running. And that's a long story in and of itself. But it's like, I absolutely know that the supernatural is real. And it just comes back to our ability to discern the true from the false. And so when somebody doesn't have a supernatural mindset, my concern is that any supernatural that they see in the end times, they're not even going to know what to do with it. And they're just going to assume, okay, this, this has to be real. And so I definitely think that, um, we have to really pray that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and that he would really give us that discernment like you were talking about to be able to discern right from wrong and what's real and what's fake. Um, otherwise, I just think so many people have no grid for what's coming. I've kind of joked that the end times is probably going to look more like, you know, an X-Men movie or a Marvel comic book than what we're ready for, like creatures fake aliens, things flying in the sky. I mean, I just think so many people too with the preterist worldview and post-millennialism, they're like, oh, that's just a symbol. <laughs> and just for fun, I uh, actually listened to a preterist post-millennial commentary on the book of Revelation, and they were just coming up with the oddest explanations for what like the locust with, you know, the hair, for example, they said that before 70 AD, there was these men that dressed up like women and went door to door terrorizing people for fun. And they're like, those are the locusts kissed from revelation. And I just, I'm like, oh boy, that's yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, those are going to be demons. I yes. think like sure totally. Enough. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, Trisha, I have loved this conversation. We could talk. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. You were so well-spoken and you know, biblical truth. And so is there anything that you want to say and just offer encouragement or anything to be aware of to the audience listening? Yeah, I really loved how you said that we were born for such a time as this. And I'm totally with you on, you know, watching the news sometimes can get so discouraging, especially for us people that really do understand that like conspiracies are real in many regards. It's like, we know even more than the average person, how dark the darkness is. But I do want everybody to be encouraged that, you know, God is our strength. He says that when we are weak, he is strong. And basically his strength is, is really displayed in our weakness. And so as long as we are abiding in him, 
John 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible that we're dwelling him in him. We're abiding in his word. We're praying with him. We're going to be just fine. We definitely don't want to like scare people in the negative, but we do want to be sober, awake and aware at the same time. Yep. And watchful, watchful of his coming too. I mean, that's been on my heart the past year, just like be watchful, be aware what's going on around you. Right. Like, and, and the things happening and how it aligns with the Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I have loved chatting with you. And, um, so people can find you on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and it's all the same handle, correct? The happy, holy, healthy life. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Trisha. Um, I will be back next time with another podcast, but hopefully maybe I can, Trisha, I could have you back. I'm sure people are going to love this. Um, I love talking about this stuff too. So have a great day, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.